previously on AFTN. Yeah, I don't read I don't read your honorable mention. Uh, I'll, I'll throw. Uh, I know it's been. A, we talked about it before Could it a little bit. Be who he used to play with. Is that the reason? No, no, no. Or he's related to. No, no. Uh, Bob's a nice guy. Um, uh, oh, he's on the record. Clip that. He said Bob's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of Bobs who are nice guys. Um, we'll get him saying Leonard Doozy from another show and just splice all of that together. <laughs> Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia, 101.9 FM, CITR Radio. I am Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Gideon Hill. Yes, we have Gideon in the hot seat this week. Zach, the lure of turkey was too much. We could not pull him away from the turkey dinner he likes a good gobble on a Sunday night. He's told us that before. This week, it was just, it was just too much. So. It's too much. It comes once a year. What can you do? Yeah. Plus, have too much turkey, you just you crash out. That's why I have my Thanksgiving dinner from Roasty Jack's in Brentwood Mall on a Monday, usually. But this is episode 361, our first official off-season show, I guess you could say. This, yeah, I guess right, so. Because it was reviewed a game, so yeah. it was not really. But this is our, our first proper end of the season show, and I was like, "Are we going to be struggling for for stuff?" I thought maybe do a shorter show. Then I started writing it. We've still got five parts. We're probably going to overrun, and this is the first of the off season in a week where there's not been very much to talk about. So that's a good sign for for the weeks to come. I had thought, oh, maybe put in some of my fun player segments. None of that made the show. It has been a, a pretty quiet week in Whitecaps land, so we're going to go through some Whitecaps chat in part one, delve into MLS a bit more than we kind of have done over the course of the season in parts two and three. Got a couple of interviews coming up for that as well. We're going to talk US Canada in part four, and of course, wavelength and headlines in the final part of the show. And it's Thanksgiving's weekend, and that can only mean one thing, as Steve loves to do on the Thanksgiving, it's Wu-Tang's given. Yep, we'll do that. The start, I think starting part two. Yeah, we'll, we'll kick that off in part two. And if you don't know what that is, you'll find out soon enough. But let's talk Whitecaps in part one. That's what we're all here for. That's what everyone loves to talk about. Such exciting times talking about the Whitecaps always. I mean, how could you not want to? It was a Whitecaps quiet off week. There was no training. The players will be back training for three weeks from Tuesday. Yep. 
four days a week they're probably going to train. That's good. Just the players that MDS is wanting to, to bring back. No news yet of who might be getting released. Lots of folk, including ourselves, we've done our who might stay, who might go. We've done our end of season awards. Now we just need some more stuff to, to kind of talk about. But MDS this week did make a couple of appearances on local radio. And we want to dig into some of what was said in that in this first part of the show. He, he appeared on TSN Radio on Monday. He appeared on Sportsnet Fine Line show on Monday as well. On the latter of that, he was asked how he would rate himself for the season as a coach after talking about how he kind of classed some players. He rated himself on a scale of 1 to 10 for the results, a 5 out of 10. But he said he would give himself 10 out of 10 for dedication, work and commitment to the team. And I've got to say, I completely agree with that. The guy is a bit of a workaholic. The hours he puts in, we've talked to him about this on and just general chats off the record at training as well. He does so much scouting. He watches so many games in a week. You cannot fault his dedication to the team. And I think performance-wise, giving himself a 5 out of 10, uh, I think JJ Adams worked it out that would be a C-. minus. Not 100% sure how you, your guys' grades and stuff work, but I think that's probably fair for the year. I, I would say so, considering we didn't expect him to make the playoffs. We thought he, But we thought he'd be around the playoff line, and he de- they definitely weren't mm. there. So, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't say failing grade, but, yeah, C-minus is kind of fair. I think the 5 out of 10 is justified by the 10 out of 10 for dedication, meaning he gave what he what he could, what he had, and, I mean, the results didn't go his way, but as long as you're dedicated as a coach, that's what the owners and the fans want to see, and couldn't have asked anything in else. In the first season, though. Yeah. By the second yeah, or third by, season, yeah, it doesn't we'll see, make a difference. We'll see, the results but, yeah. eventually do make a difference. I mean, that's that's the thing. He knows the pressure's on him. He knows this off-season, this transfer window that's going to be coming up is massive for him and the club. If, come the next summer transfer window, this club is still in dire straits, stay off social media. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be brutal. The attendances are going to be brutal. They can't afford to get this wrong. And, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to kind of know what changes are needed within the club. We've talked about it a lot on the show. Now, we haven't had you on the on the show for, for a few weeks, Gideon. Just to run some things by you, where do you see the main changes from you watching? Where would you expect to see these changes coming? I th- it's, a, it's a tough question to answer. I think up front... Um, there's definitely a hole I think Jordy Arena provided when, uh, when I guess asked of him, um, I think the finishing side of things and those passes from Reina definitely, uh, besides, you know, Montero's, um, couple of sub appearances there needed to be, uh, need to be better all season, not just the last couple of games when it didn't matter. Um, I think Inbaum is is solid in midfield. I think he need, needs one more player with him because I like him in that deep lying role where Arise was early in the year, but I don't think Inbaum is suited to be there in, I guess, important games. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, ideally, he's an eight. If you want to look at the old six, eight, ten things for midfielders, and he's done well deeper, as you said, but you need you need more from him just in general, really. Well, he can't be the one to to pick up the ball and play the no. ball in behind. So if you have a guy like a player like Arise who could link up with the back line, get it to Embalm, and then he could distribute it out wide, out, up front, however you picture it. Um, back line, I think Godoy looked solid at times. 
Um, Henry was obviously he's he's been a rocket four goals this year from the back, which is good. You want to see maybe a little out of him health wise. He did struggle a little bit this yeah. year, which is is sad because he's been um, such a solid player over the years, uh, barring injury. Um, I think outside wings, you it's it's hard to tell if Torino's is Tosanta has been a little coy about that. Um, yeah, I think a lot could depend on finances, not just the transfer fee, but also what the players expect. Yeah, as he's well. he's on quite a hefty salary later on as well. Just in general for players coming in, it's okay trying to make a splash for a player transfer fee wise. You've then got to meet their salary as well. Yeah, and remember, when you're paying a transfer fee, it counts against the cap. Yeah. So it's not like you can just pay a transfer fee. Like then, Usually transfer fees are either TAM players or they're going to be DPs and most likely DPs. And so it's hard to spend that much money on somebody. And I, th- I think the outside, like left back is obviously solid with Ali. And yeah, then right back, right, right it's, back's a... Yeah, it's a tough one because Sutter, you know, performed in the games he played. Nerwinski was here and there and then obviously looking goalkeeping like there's no question Crepo is the goal of the future for this team but oh yeah I, uh, the, the outside right back and I think the DM role and then the striker role is the biggest question marks for me uh regarding the the Whitecaps I guess state of the the starting 11. For me well I, um I, I think they need the I think I mentioned there was four they need four starters mainly uh all in the attacking kind of area the uh, two uh, sorry a striker a winger um, a kind of a box to box who can play a ten, and a box to box who can play a holding midfielder role. And if you have that in the starting lineup, I don't see them making too many changes on the back line uh, for sure. Um, it's more going to be uh, fixing the depth if they're going to do it. Like they could, it all depends on what they have to spend up front to see what they're going to spend at the back. Because if they have to spend a lot of money to yeah. get the right players up front expect the back line to be kind of the same as what they had before because they are while they say they have money to spend there's only so much money you could spend i was gonna forgot to mention cornelius as well so you have three mm. solid center backs camiri so four four solid center backs that you have i don't think any one of them had a bad season per se it just was a tough they yeah, faced a, a lot sometimes yeah. and then let down by players in front and i mean there's stability there especially on the defensive side and there's not going to be, as we would say in Scotland, a wheen of new players coming in, a big mass of new players like last year. But he did kind of indicate on the fine lines chat to expect seven new faces. And that did not include possible trades within MLS. So that's seven still, from outside MLS. Yeah, that still a, seems yeah. Like, that's, that's quite a, a bit. The fact that he's able to put an, uh, like a number on that too is like a little bit interesting now, to me because... Yeah. Sorry, seven faces for 2020. That doesn't mean all at once. No, that's true. That's true. So he could be spacing it out. I do think he's going to bring at least, in total, including the MLS trades, I think he's going to bring at least four to five players, at least by maybe uh, maybe six, seven, by by the winter transfer, and then whoever else he needs to fill in in the the summer. I think it depends on after the um, contracts – probably by the near December and near middle of December is when we're going to really find out what the MLS looks like because that's when all the contracts are ending, free agency, that yes. kind of thing. So I mean, that'll be... going to be a key yeah. aspect to it. Whereas the international players you'll see coming in, you know, f- falling into to end of December and January. The weird thing talking about the defence is you look just at the stats and the goals conceded and it's like, it looks horrific. But you look at what players you said, who's had the great year? Who's done well? And they're defenders, yeah. And uh, just that just shows you how 
let down this midfield and an attack has been. Well, when you look at Kripotu, who's had to make like yeah. not just one or two saves, he's had to make sometimes 16 saves against yeah. San Jose. So I mean, you win the record, which then obviously shows you things aren't right in front of yeah. you if you have to even be anywhere close to that record. And he let, I think it was three goals in that game as well. Yeah. So it's like, wow. I mean, things like that are crazy. And we've talked that it's the midfield that need to help them out more. If you're looking at the recruitment criteria, it needs to be a bit different this off-season. MDS knows that. He's noted that. He brought in so many different nationalities. He brought in so many players from different leagues. And when I asked him about that at the start of the year, did he think that was going to be a problem with chemistry? He's like, no, it's the language of football. They all know that. Now, in an ideal world, yeah, that could happen. This has just shown that is not the recipe for, for things to happen. There, there was too many players for me that were brought in this year of a similar type. And by that, I'm referring to players that in the past had done well, but they've maybe had a couple of bad seasons wherever they were. They've dropped out of being first-team regulars. They've maybe not even been seeing much regular first-team football as well. They're projects, they're guys that they maybe need to go somewhere and refine that form. And we brought so many of these guys in. We brought in Bangura, we brought in Venuto, we brought in RDS. None of them's worked out. And having one player like that to work with, fine, yeah, that's great. So many, you cannot have projects. And he touched on this and stuff he said this week. The players he's looking to bring in, are going to be players that are playing regularly for the teams that they are currently in. And we have to have that. Well, and the problem with that is you bring in guys that maybe were on the fringe, but they are expected to hit the ground running and be the, the star player. Like if you, you lean on Venuto early in the year to get some goals and he, he provided a little bit, but then he was, he was transferred out. So you're expecting those guys that come in from maybe playing reserve or coming off the bench and not playing 90 minutes to play an MLS season after playing a full European season pretty much and coming yeah. in and, and having to perform in, in the tough, tough, let's be honest, a tough market in Vancouver. So that's where one of the faults was of, of a few this season uh, for the Whitecaps. We need players that have been in some kind of form. Now, obviously, form players, players that are regulars in their team are going to cost a bit more because they're part of their current team's plans. But that's and, how you, you yeah, win the game. Anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, this is what they then have to, to balance. And MDS talked about this a little bit in his post-game scrum after the, the last game of the season and on the radio this week as well. We've talked about it before. MLS players, I feel they're very undervalued by general people that, that watch the league. People are always wanting names that they've seen on the TV in leagues elsewhere. We've seen so many of them fail here. We've seen so many guys that are maybe lighting it up in South America to an extent at lower level teams or whatever, and then they struggle here. There is value in an MLS player, a guy that knows the league, a guy that's performed in the league, a guy that's experienced the travel the playoffs, the different altitudes and heat and from one week to another. And the Caps certainly seem to have ignored going for that experience this season. It doesn't sound like that's going to be the mistake that they make next year. I I can see them adding at least two, three, maybe even more players with MLS experience. Yeah, and they need that too. Like uh, you can't... 
I know, like our our you know our turkey friend uh, that's not here today, um, Zach doesn't rate like a player like Andy Rose. Yeah, he mentioned it in the opening there, um, but that I and I don't expect Andy Rose. Andy Rose probably shouldn't start. No, but he can be a spot starter, not a regular starter, a spot starter, and be a guy off the bench. He's valuable that way. He won a game in Colorado with a goal when he uh, shot into the box, and you have to have those kind of players because. Those players are going to help the new players figure out what's going on and everything like that. You just can't have a a, a team from outside of MLS. Yeah, and I'll make a comparison here. You look at um, Osvaldo Alonso and Minnesota. Minnesota, mm. third year in the league this year, lacking some midfield strengths, I guess. Alonso coming off a good career in Seattle, brought in by it, Minnesota, and they're in the playoffs. Mm. Not saying that's going to be the way it is for the Whitecaps. No, but, but that, that's a great example. Yeah, it makes a difference having a guy. Ikapara as well. Yeah. You can put yeah. Ikapara. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Then you saw what happened to Kansas City without Ikapara. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's definitely teams are going to have to, other teams are going to have to weigh when the Whitecaps come asking for a player, or whether it in transfer or win or whatever it is, that are you willing to give up potentially the next couple of years of being the playoffs or having a winning record to give up this yeah. player and the Whitecaps are going to have to weigh what they're going to offer compared to what they could benefit out of it. So much of it though as well, it comes down to fan expectations. The The club have made a lot of, we've got money to spend. Now, as soon as you start saying that, clubs are like, okay, let's see what we can fleece out of them. Let's get the maximum deal we can get out of them, both within MLS and out with. That's a dangerous approach to go for but it gets the fans on their side so if you ask different kinds of fans what they think of as a, a big name player or what kind of difference maker they would want some fans are going to want a player that they've seen on tv playing in the big leagues in england some fans are going to be player want players that they've seen at a world cup some fans would be happy with a guy that's done really well in mls an example of that is when we signed Kai Kamara. I think that excited a number of fans here because it's like, oh yeah, he's a name. We've seen him in MLS. We've seen what he can do. And he's in England as well for a time. Yeah. So kind of goes. So is Breck Shea though. So well, that, that's that not. Yeah, opposite, that's. But, um, <laughs> other difference makers can be a player that no one's really heard of, and Joseph Martinez is a player that MDS raised as an interesting point because he was playing in Italy with Torino and not doing very well there. Then you bring him into Atlanta, bang, 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 records are falling. That's the kind of player Carol Robinson had tried to get for years, the kind of player you know MDS wants to get. Obviously, Atlanta's scouting's way better than whatever we were doing. Yeah, and the other the other thing to that is you have the team that was built around him as well. You have multi-million dollar players on either side. You have P.D. Martinez and Barco. Yeah, Barco has not been... Cast. Yeah, so... But uh, you look at Toronto this year, picking up Pozuelo from Club Bruges in Belgium, and Altidore was injured for a lot. Bradley was injured. Pozuelo missed some time, but Pozuelo banged goals left, right, and center at times. He was scoring free kicks. He got a hat trick on mm-hmm. point. So another guy that comes in, underrated players may not have known him, but he comes in to replace a guy like Giovinco and didn't get full value for Giovinco, but you have a guy that maybe can help out other players that they sign. The thing is, even a guy like Giovinco, honestly, if you ask honestly the, uh, the majority of TFC fans or even MLS fans, they didn't know Giovinco yeah. that much. They they knew him that he you know started once in a while for the Italian, but nobody knew him totally. Like yeah. even even uh, um, uh, one of the players that was mentioned this week on uh, as a rumored player, um, Olivier Giroud, 
he's not well known amongst a casual fan. I guarantee uh, you they don't folks know him that, that watch way. The EPL will know him. Uh, but that's might, not a casual fan. No. EPL is not a casual fan. Some folks that maybe watched him at the World Cup, I don't know that that's a big name player. I, but I feel like it. You asked that question when he started at Arsenal, maybe not, but he's kind of proven himself to be a scorer in Arsenal, maybe not a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang type player, like a yeah. big name player. He did or, score this week for France, I guess. But you know, <laughs> France is it's an interesting team. But I'm just saying that the average yeah. person is not going to know him. The, yeah. the average person only knows a Rooney, a Beckham, a, Ibrahimovic, a Zlatan, Vela. Uh, like they, that. Not even Vela, no way. I guarantee you most no, people didn't know about Vela. won't have. Only the teams that follow Mexico. I, it's, it's the problem with the, the game here because it's only select things that's on TV for the mass audience. And you've got then a niche audience that's watching things on DAZN or Sportsnet World and, and stuff like that. So many people miss it. But what what is going to appease the fans? Because there's, there's of course, the season ticket cancellation thing. If you're not happy with what the Whitecaps have done, you can cancel your season ticket by the end of January with, with no loss. Now, the Whitecaps might swing and miss on some of the big name, well-known name guys that they're going for. But they might land a, a Diego Valeri that nobody knows. Yeah. And then he starts in the league in March. March, April, May, lights it up. But by that point, folks cancelled their season tickets because they're like, I don't know this guy. But then they'll come back of it then eventually, yeah. right? And so, it'll cost them more to come back as yeah. well. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a tough discussion. It's a never-ending discussion. You'll never keep the fans happy, but you can try. Um, yeah. But I mean, like a player like Giroud. What, is that a, even a realistic kind of option? Because we've seen it before with some names. The Whitecaps were linked with Didier Drogba, went to Montreal. We've talked about this in our show. Robbo did try and get Wayne Rooney here. But there's there's trying to get a player here. There's showing some interest in a player, just putting feelers out. And this is a conversation, Mark... DeSantis and me, we were just kind of like shooting the shit one day at training, just chatting about a number of different things. And that was one thing that annoys him. It's like, man, you, you can you can just call a club up and say, well, tell me about this player or would he be available? And to it means me, he linked. Yeah. That, that's not targeting a player. That's not making a move for a player. That's just putting a feeler out. Yeah. And then the next thing it's reported, oh, he's going after Lucas Cavallini or he's going after Olivier Giroud. Just inquiring, would this guy be available? What would his salary demands? What would the transfer fee be? Oh, okay, that high, no. Oh, he doesn't want to come to Vancouver. He wants to be in a big market. Oh, okay then. I don't think that's... Genuinely, I don't think that is making a play for a player. No, I I think when you make a play for a player, it's obviously a bid. But even then, it's hard to... It's such a touchy subject with having guys that you're looking at and other guys that have... Um, that you're making bids for. So it's definitely something that Whitecaps fans have been battling with over the years, and we'll see uh, how the, the offseason plays out for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting, but there was some interesting comments as well from MDS on the basic ignorance of many top players around the world. Something he's talked about before with players playing... like. He he spoke to some players that he's had interest in. And then we played this on a show early in the year where they're like, the player will sit down and be like, yeah, I got offered six or eight million to, to go and play in China. And he's like, well, go and play in China then. Why are you even talking to me? I'm not going to meet this. 
But then he also spoke as well, basically about the 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 ignorance of players of what they know about Vancouver, and to an extent that is understandable, because a lot of folk aren't going to know what a good place Vancouver is to live. Part of the way to sell Vancouver is to bring them here and let them see it, and you can't do that when players are with clubs and they're playing currently in a season. So stuff like that is very, very complicated. I, I don't know. But but that's why having a player come from MLS, because they have been in Vancouver, they've played in the city, they know what it's like from a hotel side of things, but you'll still see the city uh, if you're an MLS player. And the thing is, European stars, uh, how many play in the West on the Western Conference other than L.A.? Name another team that has a West, like a European star. Uh, LAFC, LA Galaxy. LAFC yeah. doesn't have a, a European star. No, the uh, Vela, well, Vela's, Vela's Mexican, from Mexico. So. Oh, European, like as in European I, international, international. Yeah, European like, international. Yeah. Who, who, who's out there? Nobody. Other than Zlatan in LA with the LA Galaxy. There's no other. Seattle doesn't have one, really. Um, the, mm. Portland doesn't have one. So don't they? They like yeah. they like living on the East Coast, so they have access. To go to back home when oh, yeah. I mean, it's it a shorter four, trip. Four hours yeah. off your flight home and for easier for family and stuff. So that's what I'm well. saying. Don't expect a big European star. Yeah, maybe a middling European star, but don't expect like a top one because they're gonna they're gonna go for Chicago, Washington, New York. Uh, like Diddy Drogba even went to Montreal because he's closer to home that way. Last couple of things just to talk about it in this part. Freddie Montero. We've talked about it a lot. We're going to have him on the show in a couple of weeks' time. I'm going to sit down and have a, an end-of-season chat with him. Mark was asked about it on Fine Lines, and he was very honest. He's basically said it's difficult for him to fit into how MDS wants him to play. And unless he wants to convert to become a second forward, a false 10 if you want, then he, he did kind of, to me, made it pretty obvious he's not going to be here next season. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in part two of what I, a team that I think he could be a good fit for. He talked about Johnny Risi as well, and he wasn't the kind of player that was maybe going to to maybe have a future here because we've talked about how he's quite slow and, yeah, his passing's good, but it's the transition play and everything like that. You can't teach a player that age how to do something like that. So, I mean, we could be losing some of those guys. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting what happens with, with some of these bigger profile signings that still have a year to go in their contract. Yeah, and I think it'll be either way, if it's a player moving on or being kept, there will be surprises. Um, I don't think that's not to be expected. But um, yeah, it's it's hard to teach um, you know a dog to catch a bone when he's 15 or 14 or 15. So it's it's definitely tough for Issei because I think he had a good start. I was excited to see him play, but the rest of the spe- the rest of the season when it counts is in the summertime from July to September. So you need to perform then he didn't and I don't think it's justified for him to stay. Last little bit, some transfer gossip. Anthony Blondell, remember him? He's been subject to a bid from Turkish side Gostepa. It was reported in Turkish media today. One point four million is the rumoured asking price. Glass City had worked out that that would be an overall loss of around 63000 for the Caps overall. I'd bite their hands off right now. Like, take it. The, the problem, though, is you have to feel that club's going to want to take him on loan first to see how he does. That's too risky for the Caps because if he does be- not perform, we're then still stuck with him. Yeah, that'd be two years if he goes on loan to, um, you know, on a salary. But if... Uh- 
if he comes back again, it'll and the club doesn't like him, then you're yeah. gonna have again as Michael mentioned, I, he's gonna be here with I, us still. I, and I find it odd because I saw some people mention like in in the twitters they were mentioning how Anthony Blondell is like the best player. Of the, Ever that's ever played. No, they were the... being funny. Oh, were case, they? In case Turkish people. Read oh, it, gotcha. So that they would be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, they, even, did I didn't you, realize you know, that. It confused the hell out of me. I was like, <laughs> what did I miss? No, because you know what it's like when when we sign a player, you immediately go and see what his club say about him. Yeah. And if the club's like, oh, well, I'm glad he's gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, who that makes total sense. Because yeah. like, I was, I was, I, I, those people yeah. were really good on their tweets because so they pulled the hell out of me. Turkish folk listen to this show. Yeah. And there's the last bit for this section. Theo Bear's up for goal of the year in MLS. Max Crippo's up for save of the year. Get your votes in. But that is it for this part. We will be back looking at delving into MLS after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Thanks indeed to Armitage Shanks, those masters of industry, toilet makers extraordinaire, Armitage Shanks. We always like to pay thanks to them on our Thanksgiving shows. And I'm thankful that we have a show here on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. What are you guys thankful for football-wise this Thanksgiving weekend? Well, I'm thankful that the DNA test, the last show I came to, didn't fall through, that Zach was my father. So I'm glad we've... uh Gotten the way to that because if he was here, it'd been uncomfortable to oh, yes. go through the show with Zach. So yeah, I mean, he, he didn't invite you to Thanksgiving dinner. A little hurt, but it's mm. okay. That's selfish, if you ask me. <laughs> it's a long drive, so I didn't. Yeah, more more turkey for him. Now. Exactly. What about you, Steve? You, what are you thankful for? I am thankful for this show because I get to use the show to get out of a lot of family functions. Yes, <laughs> always good. good. Gets me away from my wife for a couple of hours as well. That's good. We got some listeners' tweets. Ian Fisher says he's thankful for our weekly shows. It's made this past season bearable. So he says, thanks, gents. I say thanks to Ian. Oz Sweeney 4, Theo Bear, Maxime Cripeau, Turkey, Family, Long Weekends, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Christine Sinclair, Jordan Heitema, and Beer. To name a few things he's thankful for in no particular It's more order. than a few. <laughs> Friend of the show, John O'Flynn. He is thankful as a family for Mountain United. Goalkeeper Michael O, his son, having the time of his life representing the club in the province at the Under-17 Cup in Charlottetown this year. Scoring as a late substitution striker versus Saskatchewan in the presence of former coaches Nick Dasevich. The Jake McGrail, he is thankful for the two upcoming National Leagues matches against the US. Very good test to see where we stand as a country at the moment in the international football landscape. It's very true. 
Michael Phillips at Grimmy in the 604. He is thankful that the season is over. And a couple of folks said that. He's thankful for a United Unified Supporters section next year. Only 10 years too late, he says. But let's hope there's still some supporters left to fill it after the off-season. Thankful for us as well in the show every week. And most of all, he's thankful that we have a team. El Canico. This is the last one we'll read you. He is thankful that life commitments made him miss half the Whitecaps matches this season. <laughs> he doesn't think he could have bared to have watched them all. Oh, that's my favourite. But I, apart from playing Sultan of Ping, Amrited Shanks and paying homage to them, another Thanksgiving tradition that we do in our shows is Wu-Tang giving. Yeah, and we it, missed last year, but I thought I'd give it a... We'll yeah, do it every couple of years. Yeah. So Steve's got the website up. Yep. Get some Wu-Tang names generated. So Gideon Hill would be known as a respected samurai. It's actually close to my uh, na- meaning of my name in, in the Bible. It means mighty warrior. So kind of oh. goes hand in hand. Yeah, a little bit oh, interesting. interesting. Michael, yeah. you are an uh, intellectual specialist. Oh, I am. And I am a master contender. I've been oh. told I've been told I have a good samurai too. So it's, uh... <laughs> Whipping it around. What is Zachary Adam my <laughs> I'm just you know. Tur- turkey gobbler. Oh, you know he's thunderous bastard. <laughs> thunderous bastard. Yeah. <laughs> How about Mark DeSantos? Oh, Mark DeSantos. Let's bring him up. He is a tough dominator. Oh, that kind of makes sense a little bit. Yes, it t- ties in with some of his former players. I've said about him. They've described him as a a tough taskmaster. So there we go. Instead, we'll just go for the dominator. Let's. Pick one last one for just now. Olivier Giroud. Olivier Giroud. New white cap signing. Target, you mean? No, he signed. Oh. Didn't deal. <laughs> sarcastic contender. Ah. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. I think he probably is sarcastically saying, oh yeah, I'm coming to Vancouver for sure. He wanted to pick Miami or LA or New York. Or now, Chicago. In DC United was also on the list too. Yeah, Chicago was a weird one in that, I thought. Yeah. All that stuff basically stemmed from Mark DeSantis had mentioned in the Fine Lines interview that the White Caps were going after World Cup winners. And of course, that led to the speculation. And then Olivier Giroud's name came out. If you look at, though, at the recent World Cup winners, you're probably looking at a Frenchman or a German. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows if he is targeting World Cup players? If it wasn't Giroud, if there's another player. Hmm. I. This is what we need Zach to go to all the Germans. Well, like yeah, I, I think I saw a name on Twitter, Mario Gutze from uh, Dortmund. He's his kind his of contract's up next, next I saw that June, name, yeah. yeah. And is then, that not the guy that Zach hates? Who's the guy that Zach's always going on about? Because he went from Bayern to Dortmund, so he might... No, he actually went to, from Dortmund to Bayern first. Then he went back. And dur- just before they were both supposed to play in Champions League. Well, that's what happened with Hamos too, so that's the story. No, the, but he didn't play for Dortmund because he had already he signed the contract oh. for Champions League, I think. I think that was the player. I could be even wrong. Yeah. Something else that we are thankful for is that we've still got lots of football to watch. MLS playoffs, the CPL is wrapping up, there's Canada in the Nations League. The MLS playoffs are going to get underway on Saturday. 14 teams still harbouring hopes for glory. Or 13 teams in, in TFC. <laughs> 10 teams, including the Whitecaps, sadly, now have a very, very long off-season to moodily think of where it all went wrong. Maybe even longer if there's going to end up being a player strike, depending on the, the bargaining agreement. In the West, San Jose, Colorado, Houston, Casey and ourselves all missed out. In the East, 
Chicago, Montreal, Columbus, Orlando and Cincinnati are the ones that's got a lot of time to think about just what they did this year. I think of all those, I think Kansas City is probably the only major surprise. Yeah, but I mean, you look at some some teams and like over the next couple of weeks, I, I want to look at some of the teams that haven't made the playoffs and are talking about rebuilding, restructuring and what players on some of those teams might become available might be of interest to the Whitecaps. Because as we talked about in part one and MDS referenced, MLS talent is important. If you look at a team like Houston, a team like San Jose, even KC, they have got so much attacking talent. But it just shows that it's not just all about scoring goals. I mean, you look at Houston. You'd, so many teams would probably take any one of their front four, front five players. Easily. And it's like they didn't make the playoffs. You need to have a midfield. You need to have a defence to back it up. That's how so many of the teams kind of fell down. And for me, Houston, though, even with, if they've got a dodgy defence or a dodgy midfield, with that attack, you should be winning more games. You should not be out of the playoffs. Yeah. The, and the home advantage that you often get as well. Yeah, and, and I think they didn't have the greatest home season, if my memory serves me correct, but they were in a lot of, I guess, shootout games, if you will, about going back and forth. I remember the yeah. Caps game there when March was, I think, 3-2. Uh, the Whitecaps were able to pull that one through, but it's it's they're, it's such an interesting team and a, interesting teams that haven't made it. I think Kansas City is the biggest surprise to me, is, is agreeing with Steve, because last time I was on the show, it was middle of August. They beat the Sounders away. Hurtado scored. They were all up in you know excitement. They were climbing the table, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. they lost a couple of games. So it's just the time of year, but I think they were the team for Vermees to you know make it. Um, they've been pretty much perennial playoff team the last few years and winning it back in 2013. Yeah. I mean, KC, they missed the players for the first time since 2011. And that was what was deemed as a rebuilding year. A lot of folk out KC way say that was the, the season that actually saved them as a club because Vermees put together such a legacy that then kept them going, won the MLS Cup. And we've talked about it a lot this year, about their struggles, so much of it was injuries. But that CCL run, the, the, the CONCACAF Champions League, it killed them. It killed their momentum, and it did it with TFC last year. I love the competition. I think it's an important competition. But seeing what happened to KC, seeing what happened to TFC, is this going to make MLS teams devalue that competition even more than they, it feels like they already do? I've, I've, but I've, I, I don't buy it for KC because I feel like they had a lot of injuries at the beginning of the year. But... They got all those players back. Like, they, essentially, when they played us. Yeah, they, they thought they had turned they had turned, they, And they had all the players back, and they were ready to make a run and everything. And we were asking those questions, too. Are you guys ready to, ready to make a run? And and do, do they feel, I remember asking, do you feel like all these injured players coming back is like almost like getting trans, new transfers yeah. in and everything like that? So I don't buy it. I think KC just made a massive mistake in dealing Aiko Parra. Um, and I think that made a big deal. It might even have given some of their players uh, kind of a thing where, why are you letting him go? I thought we were supposed to contend for a cup. And maybe yeah. that brought everybody down. I don't think the CCL is that big of a deal. Uh, I don't think, especially with it being like a knockout now. It's so it's, early it's, in the season as well that there is, there there's plenty be a of time, time to, recover. to recover. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's if we're gonna dive into team, I guess we'll just dive into Kansas City. Yeah, they, yeah, they did struggle with injuries, and we did when me and uh, Stephen do Peter Vermees when they're here back. I think it was August. He he did say about you know getting a bunch of transfers in. They were still missing guys at that time, but they were more fringe players. But you look at the defenses here. Yes, they did trade away Akapara, and they maybe didn't have the greatest success in the playoffs last year, but they still had a, two solid defenders, Beasler and Fontas, who Fontas used to play for Barcelona's team, their B team, but. Still a, a, a perennial, you know, team, um, and their midfield, you know, Espinoza, Gutierrez, uh, Ilya there yeah. as well. A solid midfield. They have a solid team, Emilian goal, and then up front. I mean, Namath has been here and there, but Russell, yeah. Gerso, like their team is solid. And to you know, barring injuries, being able to be, you know, they should be top five I mean, in MLS. It, it was a it was a stunner that they didn't make it all season long. I thought they were going to come back into it. And KC is the team that I, I did want to kind of dive into this week because. One of their owners, Mike Illig, gave a very interesting interview this week. And he indicated that there's going to be major changes on the roster. Money has been earmarked to make that happen, to make the improvement happen. He's Interestingly, he said, no one on the team, no one at all, is bulletproof. In particular, he said they're looking to improve in the number nine position. And normally you'd think that they would want to bring in a, a big splash from outside of the league. But this this blew my mind when, when I read this in the article. In total, in their whole lifetime of being in MLS, and you've got to remember they're an original team. They formed in 1995. They were the, the wizard back then, or the whiz. That whole 24 years, in total... They have only spent four million dollars combined in transfer fees. I bet, I bet at least like, one whoa. million of that is spent on Gutierrez for sure. Like no, he, they 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 always liked getting players on free transfer. That's crazy. They though. would constantly get players on free transfer. E Johnny Russell was a free transfer. Yeah. They didn't cost him a thing. So the But like put that in context. Atlanta LAFC, they've only been in the league for a couple of seasons. Probably spent quadruple that. Easily. Each one of those has spent over thirty million in transfer fees alone. Not even salaries, just transfer fees. And well, that's each. Yeah, but it's the way that Peter Vermees likes to play. He doesn't like to spend a whole lot of money, and he's built them to the playoffs, except for this year in twenty eleven. So, like you just see the coaching and the, the and, uh, and you got to remember the first like fifteen years nobody. Spent anything on oh, transfer yeah. fees? I mean, probably like, David Beckham was probably the only player that was. I, think, I don't know the history, but I think he's the only player that was ever yeah, anything he, spent he on. Started at all. Twenty eleven yeah. was the year like Beckham was a, like he was in two thousand nine, and I think twenty eleven was the year that they started spending pl- MLS. Because that's kind of like your yeah. two point so of MLS between yeah. twenty eleven and now 20, 2019, almost eight years that Kansas City spent probably. Three three million, and they've made it to MLS Cup. They've won an MLS Cup, so it's pretty well, special. That's the thing. To- I mean, it's hard to fault a team that isn't spending and having success. But obviously, in a season like this, when they don't, that's when it opens everything up, and it's under scrutiny. Everyone's looking at them. Are teams like that the teams like the Whitecaps that don't spend money going to get left behind? At the Town Hall last year, we. We're told by the owners, we're going to spend, we're going to be in the top third of spending in MLS. Instead, we're right down the bottom. We just have not spent that money. And, I mean, you look, Kansas City only have two DPs on their books for for one thing. Johnny Russell is one. Gutierrez is another. Johnny Russell had nine goals and nine assists this year. Gutierrez had 12 goals and three assists. I'd take either of them if if they're going to completely rebuild. 
because the the owner Illig said he's looking to bring in three DP players. I take and Russell's on one point seven million. Gutierrez is on one point six five. They're hard to buy down, so you have to think they both would of be them DPs, could be on their 100%. way out. Well, I, I, Michael, as much as I like your Scottish connection, your friend Johnny Russell, I would take Gutierrez ever since he's come into the league. He's a mm. uh, Chilean player, inter- Chilean international. He's been on the fringe, but that's you know question mark because they're such a good team at, up until the last couple of years. But you have him, him and Imbom would be sublime in midfield, like yeah. perfect. They're it's both so, the same. So exciting, ball playing midfielder. Gutierrez can hit the free kick. He can score penalties, which we haven't seen this year with Eliad down <laughs> in the Paninka. Yeah, but. I mean, it's, I'd take Russell too. It's not that I wouldn't take Russell. I'd just prefer the the way that, depending on Chirino, sell wide because both of them would be right. But spot. for me, I, I I would take Johnny Russell, otherwise known as Misunderstood Dreamer. Um, <laughs> but I would take him over because he 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 would bring a different um, mentality to the Whitecaps, and I think he'd be able to drive the ball. Um, from the wide areas, and I think that would that's very much needed, really needed. But I wouldn't. But for him to be a DP, I think I think the DP's got to be there's got to be a striker and a, and a central midfielder. Yeah. Other and that's the only reason I wouldn't take him. But I, if it was just everything even, I would take the. I mean, Russell. everyone knows my my love for Johnny and everything like that. His salary though, yeah, too I mean, high. Even if you looked at what he can do to the team, that's not a that's not a signing that's going to excite the fans. It's like oh, we've we've signed Johnny Russell from KC. He's going to be in one point six million. He's one of our DPs. Folk would be like, uh, that wasn't what we had in mind when you said you had money to spend. Gutierrez, I, I think it's in the same boat. On 1.65 million, I don't think he's a signing. We know what he can do, but the casual fan casual that fan, you want yeah. to fill these seats that's been empty for the last few weeks, that's that's not a signing that would do it. An interesting trade, possibly, if they're looking to fill that number nine role, they probably will want to make a splash out with the league. We have Freddie Montero, who MDS is talking about, hey, he's a number nine, can do it in the league, can score in the league. Kansas City's missing Dom Dwyer, a kind of similar kind of it's player to Dumb to trade Freddie. if you look at it now. Oh, like, they've done so many dumb trades, though, when you look at I think they got it. one million back, but like they haven't spent that one million. Well, we don't know they haven't. They might well, have. yeah, it could be like the white caps that's been spent behind the scenes, and we don't know. Exactly no, because they, 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 they got money in Tam and Gam. That's yeah. like all the money they got, so they had to spend it somewhere. But, I mean, I, I would swap Montero for Russell and Gutierrez and some money. I don't Lots think that's of money. a bad, yeah. I don't think that would be a bad deal we'd have, probably have to give up quite Burmese a bit Burmese does but... like experience MLS talent yeah. as well so we'll have to see I mean I, I just think it would be interesting this was an interesting thing the the owner E-League revealed that Vermese wanted to bring in last year in the summer a striker that was going to break all KC signing records it was going to be a very well known striker and he nixed it the owners nixed that deal and he said it won't happen again. We're, we're, the quote was, we're going to pay for three designated players. Yeah, he said that last year too. Yeah. The, but, there was definitely mention of that prior to last season. But when you hear that an owner nixed a guy that could possibly have got the team in the playoffs, it's like that's when the, you start to lose the fan base a little bit. If that happened here, if that was revealed here, that would just be outrage. Yeah, I mean, 
kudos to Vermees for you know attempting to do that. And as a coach, you want to have those top line players. And when an owner doesn't, um, when an owner doesn't you know give you the ability to sign those players, it's frustrating. And I think a little surprising that Vermees is is still around, given that the record this year. Yeah, he's, he's definitely going to be here next he, yeah, year. Yeah, so, confirmed. So we'll see what happens next year on their record. But if they're going to be moving around players, it'll be hard for Vermees to kind of keep them together and and have success yeah. if you're going to rebuild. And he's doing the sporting director role as well, and now that's like added pressure on him. It's a lot of work. Mark's talked about the work it's been just for him rebuilding the team this year. Vermees is going through that now. He's, his stock as a manager is pretty high in North American soccer, Peter Vermees. Next year's the test for him as to whether that's that's valid to be like that. I mean, there's a lot of other players. You went through a big list in the roster that's interesting. Graham Zussi was a guy that I thought, he's 33. Yeah. He could still do a job at right back. Then I saw his salary was 688000 yeah. I was like... Maybe not then. Yeah, yeah I liked much. him as a winger, but he's he's dropped back and right back, yeah. and yeah, he he gets assists, but he's not. He's kind of similar to Scott Sutter in the way that they they attack and go up the flank, but yeah, I just don't value him that much. So we're going to look at some other teams over the next couple of weeks and try and pick through some guys that might interest us. But we're going to turn our attention now to the playoffs and rounding off this part, we're just going to quickly look at the Eastern Conference before we delve into the West in Part Three. So the first game of the playoffs this year, Saturday. 10am Pacific time kickoff. It's going to be great fun to watch. <laughs> Not as much fun as the national championship trophy for the amateur teams takes place in Newfoundland on Monday and CCB LFC United's in the final representing BC. 7.30am kickoff. Nothing better than a yeah. wake-up call for soccer. So I might be editing the podcast while I'm watching that and just get to bed <laughs> when I get home. 7.30 in the morning. This is kickoff time. Yeah, it's local. No, n- noon, no, noon. Oh, okay. I, I was going. I oh, thought no, that no, was no. local time. No, it's noon. That's like, like three thirty a.m. here. Yeah. Um. So the first playoff game: Atlanta taking on New England at Atlanta, second v seventh. Atlanta's form it's been mixed to close out the season. They had three wins and one draw in the last seven games. New England two losses in their last ten. But most of those matches were draws. Six draws, only two wins. For me, hard to see past Atlanta in this one. But you've got a revitalised revolution there. You've got Droopy wanting to try and make an impact in the playoffs. And they got some decent players. Boa has been a really good find. And they got that, um, I always forget his name, the winger that they have on the... Uh, on the left side, I can't remember his name. He's he's a South American player, Carlos Hill, right? I don't know, I don't remember. But but he's he's a really good player, even though I can't remember his name. Uh, do, but do you see Atlanta not getting through this? No, I see they they should be favored, but you never know what's going to happen. They, like they've they've These had one off games are going to make it. They, really they, they've 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 had games where even playing at home. I, I remember who was it, Columbus or something. Columbus beat them at home at, in Atlanta or something like that, or drew them in the playoffs. No. Or? In the regular season yeah. this year. Well, the start of the season, they, 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 they stumbled so much at home. And then it looked like they turned it around. And then they had some wobbles and no, they're running. I think Columbus beat them. I'm almost sure of it. I could check the records. But I think Columbus beat them late in the year. Just before the Columbus yeah, came they here. Did. Yeah, they did. Um, so, I like, they're, oh, yeah, you're they're, right. they are capable of stumbling and, and doing something really stupid and getting knocked out. But the new playoff format. It's to try and make it more exciting and one-off games does make it do that. What you don't want to see in any of these games is the away team just sitting down, trying to grind it a nil-nil, take it to penalties. 
this is a game I could see that happening. I could see New England sitting in, just being so tight, maybe even five at the back and trying to withhold that deadly Atlanta attack, hitting the break, and it not being an exciting match. Yeah, I remember Atlanta's, I think, first first full year in the league, they lost in Columbus to penalty kicks. They're up, I think, one nothing going late on, and then Columbus tied it, sent it to uh, extra time, then penalties, and they lost it, penalties to Columbus. So... I could see that happening. I think Bruce Arena knows how to manage a playoff game. He's yeah. been around for... That, that's what I think they've yeah. really got it going in their favor. Oh, there's a definite advantage here. at the managerial yeah. position when it comes to New England and Atlanta. Not a huge fan of Arena, but he's a wily veteran. And oh, he's been... he like. How I many times like did he make it to the final? Yeah, most like he made the finals with LA, but I mean, spent a lot and of money. But yeah. will Yosef Martinez be ready to go? I know he had some kind of injury in the year. I don't like remember. He might make this first one either, which could be interesting for them. But the winner of this one plays the winner of Philadelphia Union and Red Bulls. That's which, a, that should be a crack. That's, that's a toss-up. Sunday. It's essentially a toss-up. That, that's a, that could go either way. And it's that's in, in Philly. Philly. Yeah. Okay. Now they've had some crazy playoff battles over the years. A lot of it was. A bit ago, and they split the regular season matches, one home win each. Interesting thing that I read when I was doing some research for this: this is only the second time in MLS history that Philadelphia have finished above the Red Bulls in the standings. Like Red Bulls have been dominant, but we've seen it so many times with Red Bulls in the past. It gets to playoff time and they shit the bed basically. I, I think this year they might be they'll be different team because. Remember in years prior that they won the Supporters Shield? I think when Omri was on the team, they crashed through the playoffs to Chicago. They've been a team that has, uh, hasn't has performed in the playoffs, but I think this year they're built a little bit differently. They picked up uh, that Sims player from Josh Sims from Bournemouth on loan. He's got some experience playing in, in the Premier League, and I think they're a different built team. We've got a couple younger guys that can get down off the bench, so they're a well-built team with uh, Long and Parker and the, and the center backs that can shut the the Union attack down, which has been very good this year. And the man they call the Ghost. For a long time, it looked like Philly were possibly even going to win the East, but they went on a, a bad run. They had one win and one draw in the last five games. That killed them. Three losses, one of them was two Red Bulls. New York, though, weren't in great form either. Two wins, one draw, four losses in the last seven. I'm actually going to go for Red Bulls in this one. I just think they might just have enough to to get over the line. For me, on this side, I'm going to say Philly and Atlanta. I'm going to say, when I talked to Jim Curtin in March or April when the Union came to town, I asked him about being ready for the playoffs. And at that time, obviously didn't know, but mm. he said we're built way better than we have been in the past with getting Fabian, Gilco, all those other guys. And he said we were ready for it if it does come. And it has. And I think my favorite Philly in this game, um, I think New York's a little bit too young to, besides Bradley Wright Phillips, but I think they're too young to go past. So I think it'll be Philly and uh, Atlanta. In the last Eastern playoff game in the first round, TFC hosting DC after DC blew it big time, unable to beat nine-man Cincinnati in the last game of the year. They were Wayne Rooney-less for that one. He'll be back for this. Now, Canadian Championship aside, TFC are unbeaten in 10 MLS games. Four wins, though, in that. Six draws, but that's still a good record to take there. DC were unbeaten in five to end the season with three wins and two draws. They had lost four or five before that, and that's what killed their playoff positioning. I think this is going to be another close one, and I'm going for TFC on penalties. I got DC United in this one. I think they're uh, they're going to upset TFC. I'm not sure how ready Altidore will be 
for this game. I don't think, yeah. It's... Uh, I, so I think that's a major loss for them. And I think DC United is another team that's kind of built for the playoffs, especially if uh, a guy like Felipe can, he's kind of a guy who can get under the skin of some of those players. I think he would be on Pasuelo. Felipe. Felipe, if Felipe starts, he's on Pasuelo. Uh, to oh, yeah. get him off his game because Pasuelo can get uh, taken off his game. I don't know. I think the the game against Montreal in the Canadian Championship kind of threw Toronto off the 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 trail, I guess you could say, with because they lost to to Montreal in the Canadian Championship. Yeah. So a, a big game like that at home, yes, it is Canadian Championship guys. A couple guys that won't normally start. What did? But I I, I haven't favored Toronto in big games in the past, mm. and they did lose one. Um, final at home that was to Seattle yes and penalties but I do favour uh, DC in this game winner of that plays Eastern Champs NYCFC does anyone not see an Eastern final of Atlanta NYCFC I can see I can see DC and Atlanta I I think it's going to be Atlanta NYCFC I don't I think Toronto's has is built well at the back but I don't think they're experienced enough to besides Bradley but they have more and more has been meager this year at best and I think they, they're they able to be broken down and they have been this year and last thing who is your tip then from the east to get into the MLS Cup I think it's going to be NYCFC they're a, we saw them in late August they definitely tore apart the Caps defense with ease given the struggling Caps defense but I like their team I like Morales I like all their wingers Medina whoever go through it and hey Bear is a, he's a danger man he's been a good signing for the for the uh, the citizens there in, uh, in New York I got DC Knight in the finals Wow, you're really. I'm uh, going for. You've got, you've got you like your DC Gatsa. connections. I, I like I like uh, the value of DC United because they're you're more a Marvel guy as well. But there we go. <laughs> but no, they're 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 not right now. I like going for teams that are people have forgotten of. Yeah, and and I think they're a team that can slowly chip away and just because they're not going to play at home. I don't think throughout the yeah. whole thing unless somebody there's yeah, another upset. Art, yeah, I'm actually going to go for Atlanta. I just think Atlanta, if they get Martin is back, I think Atlanta will do it. If they don't, and this first game could be their trickiest with, with New England, depending on how they play. But for me, it's going to be Atlanta. But we're going to be back looking at the Western Conference after this. Hi, I'm Johnny Russell, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Thirteen tombs there are artists of the month for October. Fife's finest, Monkey Puss. Sorry, would you say monkey what? Monkey Puss. Okay. Got a face like a monkey. <laughs> yeah, not about Caleb Porter. You might have thought it was. 
Porter, of course, no stranger to success in MLS. How's that for a segue? No. Although they shouldn't have won that playoff because that ball is definitely untouched. Yes. Won that MLS Cup, sadly. Hasn't done great in his first season back in the league, to, to say the least, with Columbus. But talking of Portland brings us nicely on to the Western Conference and we're going to kick things off looking at Portland and RSL. Now, Portland's been a strange team this season. There's been a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows. Definitely highs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. For some aspects of the squad, definitely been quite high. It was snowing a lot in Portland this summer, apparently. (laughs) There's something, though, about the Timbers fans just gets right up my nose. Oh, man. But we felt they had done enough in the early part of the season when they're on the road to keep in touch. They'd make a real push then for a high seeding when they had all those home games. Didn't quite go as they would have planned. And they ended up, I want to say scraping in because it was on the last game of the season. But they got in in the end by about five points. But they did need that last day win over San Jose to, to clinch the spot. But that now sees them travelling to take on... The team that I'm siding with in these playoffs, I had to pick a team. I've gone with RSL. I just like them because they, like Steve was talking about, going for an underrated team, an underdog. In the West, for me, that's RSL. You could say Dallas, but I hate Dallas, so I could never cheer on Dallas. So RSL, because they're not a sexy team, they're not a flashy team, they don't have these big-name players and big-money signings, and they're a hard-working team. Yeah, I, I I I do see that. I see a lot of similarities between RSL and Portland. They have good playmaker in Rusnak. They have young striker at Boba St. Baird. Good built center backs. A lot of uh, MLS experience and English experience with Anoha and RSL. Mm. But I, I I have to favor Portland. They're they're really? a playoff. They're a playoff built team. I I think really I don't think so. I think they're, they lack playoff. I don't know. I think they lack a little bit. You can't of look past Chara like, and chemistry. Yes, yeah. but I'm saying that they've with success in the past they've yeah, had the same guys that have. Chara's one of those guys. If he's on your team, you love Chara. If he's on an, you another team, hate you hate him. him. Yeah. I don't like bastard. I don't like uh, uh, Portland's backline at all. No, I I think. See, it all depends if RSL put it together and they don't freeze. I don't mean anything weather-wise. Just if they freeze on the big occasion, Portland will take this. Por- Portland's but problem... if they don't, their defense is... Yeah, when I watched them at home this season, there's a lot of games that they're up at halftime. They'd lose the lead or they'd yes. score in the 90th minute. Yeah. And they away from home, they had goals. so much success on the road earlier in the year. They're winning games. Because they, they, they had to. They had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but <laughs> they, they need to refine that form. And they, there is a motivation of a Cascadian derby, probably in the semifinals, to take them in, into that. But, I mean, they've, they've had off-the-field struggles this season. Brian Fernandez is now obviously... Suspended. He made such a big impact when he came into the league. Is he, he's not suspended. He took a leave. Isn't he? Isn't it well, a leave? officially it's suspended because he's entered oh. the uh, substance oh, yeah, abuse okay. program. Gotcha. So you have to be suspended when, gotcha. you, when you go into that. I thought you just take a leave. Well, it's leave, but then he officially becomes suspended. On the suspended list. Yeah. Yeah, and okay. then there's all, all the talk that you don't want coming into the end of the season about Diego Valeri. Is he going to come back? This week, the, the murmurs were, well, it's not, he's not necessarily gone. They could we have interest in bringing him back? I think we should just swoop in and and, and bring him here. That would be the ultimate kick in the balls for for the Timbers. But 
all this off the field stuff, it, it can't be good for the Timbers. No, it, it, it can't. And you look at the Whitecaps and the way they, we'll get to it later, but the way they struggled sometimes due to, the, maybe not due to the, the off the you know, field problems, but I think losing a guy like Fernandez definitely, you know, he's a straw that stirred the drink since coming in. He really won them some games for sure with the winning but, goals. He had. But Bo- Bobase? Or, uh, Bobase, yeah. yeah he's, he's kind of really grown into that number nine spot, too. So I don't think. I think they will lose some um, dynamic ability, especially on the attack, like when they're counterattacking or something like that. Or, but if they are able to control the ball and get the ball into the box, I think Ibobasi can finish in with the best of them. Should well, be a not cracking with the best game. Of them, but. RSL finished their season, of course, beating us 1-0 here in Vancouver. That got them that home playoff game. Mm-hmm. That was also the last regular season game for a league legend. Legend. Nick Romando. He's retiring at the end of this season. He's going to be so motivated for this game. With Valeri leaving the team, he's going to be so motivated for this game. Romando's had 20 years in the league. He had two with Miami Fusion, five uh, Steve's favourites, DC United, 13 now with RSL. But really established himself with RSL. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is he going to have a lucky ending, an unlucky ending? You're at the stage now. Like He knew in Vancouver it was his last regular season game. Now, he doesn't know what game is going to be his last yeah. one. And that that can play with your mind, good and bad. Can he go out with a, a bang? He, he won an MLS Cup in 2004 with DC, 2009 with RSL. Can he make it a hat-trick? Or is that too much to, to hope for? Well, he, has, he had his chance in, I think, 2013 against SKC, but they yeah. did lose that when SKC was in the East. But I I think it'll be like I I think Portland's built for the playoffs. I think RSL not. I wasn't saying RSL wasn't built. Yeah, but well, no. They're. I mean, you you look at their scores and you don't really see them as a playoff. But they have team, young, good young players. Yeah. That's like, why I like them because they they're not really a playoff team if you look at it on paper. Like Krylax is a solid player. Same with. Yeah. Um, Helps a few Beckerman, yeah, Beckerman. Headers, but, yep. anyway. <laughs> but we got a chance to speak to Rick Mando last week after the match against the Whitecaps. Myself, Steve, and Harjit Jahal. It was a day where he was just soaking it all in. Here's what he had to say. So your last regular season game of your MLS career, how did it feel to go out with a win? Yeah, awesome. Took it in before the game and uh, we knew the uh, the importance of this game, you know, and uh, I thought the boys played played great. But for me personally, uh, I don't think I've ever won here. I don't think I ever got a shutout here. So uh, to end it uh, that way, um, felt great. A couple of spectacular saves as well. Mm. Yeah, I was uh, lucky uh, lucky to get a, a tip to some of those, but I uh, just wanted to be there for my team, and, and uh, I was up for this game and focused and uh, knew what we had to do and uh, happy that uh, I could help out my team. How has it been for you this season, like knowing the career's coming to an end? Has it just been a, an emotional roller coaster? I think the last couple of months have been a bit more emotional than in the beginning, kind of put everything out of sight, out of mind, and just focused on the season. Um, and then now it's as it's uh, you know take it, taking its ticks and, and, and almost away. I think it's been a little bit more emotional, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, I've been on this ride before um, with a team that's not supposed to get so far. So uh, we'll see uh, what we have in the tank. How does it feel to know that you have at least one more home playoff date? Yeah, it's great. You know, we wanted to give uh, one more game uh, to the fans, uh, but for me to go back personally and, and, and have one more game at the ride is going to be great, and have, hopefully uh, have a lot of fans up there, some family. Um, and the support from our fans. So uh, a home game playoff is, is what we worked for all, all year. Was there a concerted effort maybe from your teammates 
defense. Because it's your last regular season start to uh, shut the door and tidy up def defensively even more so. No, I think that's that was the team's... Um effort all year long nothing nothing for me just about the group of guys in this locker room um, given that extra uh, because we de we deserve it we know what kind of team we are when when we're at our best and uh, hopefully we could be that uh, come playoff game you've two MLS cups to your name how does this squad and this team feel compared to those two teams yeah I think um, you know different I think any team you play on is a different different personality for me I'm, I'm older um, I've different uh, uh, interest, I think, as some of these younger guys do, but all in all, we, we have the same goal going on the field, and that's that's to win. Um, we do. We're, we're a tight, tight group. Uh, we've got tighter, I'm thinking, as the, the years gone on, which is good. Um, I, and I still think that that us at our best have a really good uh, chance of winning this cup. The bracket's set now, so you know you've got Portland, and then after that, mm -hmm. it looks like it's Seattle or Dallas. Mm -hmm. You've avoided the LA teams. Mm -hmm. Is that a, an added bonus? I mean, I think you kind of look at them as as. Uh, uh, the best team in, in, in this bracket, but for us, you, you got to beat the best teams to, to win MLS Cup. So if they would have came uh, second round or third round, uh, you still got to be the best teams. Um, at home, again, that, that's massive for us to have a home game against Portland. Um, we need to uh, rebound against them. They had our number this year, but uh, no other better way than, than at home in front of our fans. Nick, you've represented your country on several occasions. Just a quick word on the border battle between Canada and the U.S. coming up. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be an entertaining match. Uh, hopefully for me, the, the, the boys in, in blue will win. And, and uh, um, yeah, just make it entertaining. Um, I think they got some young guys, especially good luck to, to Corey. That's coming from our team. Um, it'll be, a, I think, an entertaining match. Over the years, you've obviously seen a lot of things change in MLS. What's the biggest change you've seen and um, that it kind of improved the play or off the field or on the field? The popularity of the sport uh, through media, through... Um, television, um, the growth of the, the sport in the country, not even in Canada. Um, I mean, you see what Toronto did in their first couple of years and now expanded here to Vancouver and Montreal. Um, uh, yeah, the growth of the league, seeing where the leagues come from, the money that, that, that the quality of players that are coming over now, not coming over when they're, you know, in the, past their prime. Uh, I think everybody that's coming now, they got, um, you know, a couple years underneath their belts, not just one or two back in the uh, back in the past, but um, more competitive for sure. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people are watching now. You know, I think uh, soccer in, in the U.S. and in Canada are opening a lot of eyes to, to maybe some that um, haven't given interest in the past. Is there one thing you want to see a change in in the next, like, five to ten years? In yeah, I'd love to see the American player, the Canada player, um, you know, get the same respect as, as maybe these overseas players get um, that, that come over. Um, guys that prove them themselves um, maybe get the, the same um, yeah, same respect as, as um, maybe the international players. Is there one thing that um, after like starting next year, that obviously you're going to probably miss the boys in the training room and everything, but is there one thing you're not going to miss about MLS? Not going to miss? Yeah. Yeah, uh, probably the travel away from my kids, you know, uh, stick home a little bit longer, be with the kids, not miss, miss the like little day-to-day -day stuff. And uh, obviously I'm going to miss a lot, but uh, I won't miss the travel. Perhaps a career in broadcasting after your playing career? Or what do you, what do you mm -hmm. want to do? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, put, my, put my hand a little in all the jars, see what I'm passionate about, and, and uh, hopefully stick around uh, in the game a little bit. And, and um, yeah, just see what the opportunities are and, and, and make my decision then. What, what was it that made you have your whole career here? You could have gone overseas. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've known what a good goalkeeper you are. I think I just I don't know. I think my early years it was uh, I was happy here. I was still young and coming, and I uh, got my opportunity here. 
Uh, when I had a chance to, to go abroad, things didn't, didn't work out the way they were, they were supposed to. Um, and uh, I was playing. And, and as a goalkeeper, um, you want to be, as a, any kind of professional athlete, you want to be playing. And, and um, uh, that's what I was doing here. Made, made the right switches at the right time and um, found that Utah was my home. Good luck in the playoffs. Go out with a bang. Nick Romando. It, it was good to talk to him. And as I said, it must be weird now. You're you're heading into every game not knowing if it's going to be your last ever pro game. And for me, he's an MLS legend. 40 years old, 20 years in the league, 551 overall appearances in the league, including playoffs, 167 clean sheets. Never named MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. That's surprising a little bit. Runner-up three times. And I know it was a running joke for a, a spell. It's like he's never going to win it. And yeah, he never won it. And I think the fans acknowledge what a good keeper he's been, but I, I do feel that he's never got the full recognition that his play has deserved in this league. Yeah, I don't think he hasn't. I think it has to do with the fact that he plays in a place like RSL. Yeah. It's, it's not a big city. It's kind of not a, you know... A sexy city. Yeah, it's like yeah. one of the well-known. and It's not going to get that much... Uh, airtime yeah, on those sites. How many journalists yeah. watch RSL games? Like how many journalists watch Vancouver games if if it's not got a, an interest in one of the teams that, that they're playing? Yeah. But it was interesting to hear him talk about the US and Canadian domestic players as we kind of touched on it in part one because I also feel that they don't get the recognition that, that they deserve here. But another domestic who's a 20-year veteran with R, well not with RSL but in MLS is Kyle Beckerman. The Maryland native he travelled a very similar path to Romando, actually, because he had two years in Miami Fusion. Then he had five and a half in Colorado before heading to RSL in 2007, where he's been ever since. 523 MLS appearances, 41 goals, none in the playoffs, amazingly. 60 assists as well, though. He won an MLS Cup in 2009. He hasn't said what his future holds in store. He could be another guy that we see retiring this year. We could lose Romando, yeah. Howard, Beckerman. He was close last year, I think, yeah. to retiring. He just came back at last year. I really wouldn't be surprised if he decides not to come back this no, he, year now that he's got the record. But he did mention he wants to play one more year. Yeah. I read, read that somewhere. Yeah, but I mean, you players know what said, happens yeah, in the offseason. Especially after dropping out of the playoffs. Like, like they might did. want to go in a better finish than that because, I mean, that is going to be disappointing. Yeah. And he's, he's still, obviously, still got the legs in him, as Beckerman does as well. But. I mean, this could be his final game or games coming up. So, yeah, he's going to be delighted at least to have one more match at home. And myself and Har got a chance to, to speak to Beckerman last week as well. Here's what he had to say. It feels great. Um, we just all season, we've been just trying to improve each week. Um, whether we win, lose or draw, it's all about getting to work that week and, and trying to keep improving. And as the season went on, we did. And uh, so we put ourselves in a really good spot for these playoffs. RSL seems to be playing their best football down the stretch. Was there a concerted effort to keep the back door tidy with Romando's last game here? Yeah, I think that was that's what we've held our hat on this year is really is defense. I think uh, we're maybe top three uh, goals against, which is uh, something we're really proud of. And um, we haven't scored as many goals as we'd like, but if we can keep. Uh, Getting shutouts and letting not as many goals in, we, we can keep ourselves in every game. Is that basically the key to beating Portland as a strong defensive game, or what kind of game are you expecting? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be a lot of intensity. I think all these playoff games will be. Um, 
but yes, yeah, that's going to be important. Is is definitely being um, stingy in defense, and then it, when we get our chances to put them away. You've represented the U.S. on several occasions. There's a big Canada-U.S. border battle. Your thoughts on the big matchup next week? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's always a, a good game. It's always uh, it has a lot of intensity, and I expect nothing less. And uh, we're wishing Corey all the best in in that game for sure. Uh, will you be back next year? We know Nick's going to be retired. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. You, you've been through so much in this league. You've seen so many different playoff formats. How, how do you like this one? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's it's going to be really nice for the viewer, for the, uh, for the for all the fans. I think because it's it's just there's no break. I think in the past we've had these breaks in between where it kind of stems stems the. Uh, the momentum a little bit, so I think this being back to back in in one about three mo- three weeks, uh, three or four weeks, the whole playoffs is going to be wrapped up. I think it's going to be really neat this year. You kind of wish though that you were just straight back at it. Two weeks, it's a long time to just sit and wait. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it is. And uh, but I think once it gets going, it's just going to roll right into the the final, and uh, it should be really exciting. You're kind of you're one of those underrated teams, and you've been through so much off the pitch as well as you and Mike going and everything. Does that play into you a little bit? It's like you know, no one's really expecting you maybe to go and do that. You're avoiding the LA teams and the bracket. Mm-hmm. To me, it looks like you've got a great chance this year. Well, I mean, we've we put ourselves in a good spot, but now we gotta we gotta perform. Just getting in a good spot doesn't do anything for you. So um, we're gonna get back to work this week and the next week and really try and. Um, focus in on Portland and just take it uh, that you know that's the only game we can focus on we can't look too far ahead but um, being an underdog doesn't hurt so we'll, we'll take that and and just try and run with it. What have you made of the Western Conference this season because it's been the best for a long long time maybe not here in Vancouver but elsewhere. Well it's uh, I mean each year the whole league gets better and better and especially with these new franchises that come in they, they push the boundaries push uh, the whole league up and um it just gets you bring in more uh, better players every year and more expensive players. So um, it's just going to continue that way, and you got to stay with the because teams are, are, are sprinting at, to try and get better. So you have to stay with them. Now, Kyle, you have your playoff beard. Will you be having your dreads back for the game? <laughs> I don't think we're going to see those, but uh, yeah, we'll probably get some beards going here in a little bit. Thank you. Good luck. Yeah, good thank luck you. Appreciate playoffs. it, guys. Appreciate it. Kyle Beckham in there. He's a guy that. He looks so different without his dreadlocks. I've got to say that. It's like he looks so looks much younger. younger almost. It. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. He's been another like legend in the league and a stalwart in the league. And him and Romando basically show you that you don't have to, to go overseas. Everyone talks about, oh, you need to go overseas. If you're happy here and you're settled here and your family's here, hey, have your career here. Early in, in the day on Saturday, I think it is, Seattle are playing Dallas. Whoever wins between RSL and Portland is going to play the winner of Seattle and Dallas. It's going to be played apparently with football lines on the pitch, which the Whitecaps Twitter tried to have a little bit of fun and trolling with them. I didn't understand. I didn't understand it either. And I was like, I don't get why this is funny. I don't get why everyone's having a go at the Whitecaps. And then when I found out what it was for, it was pretty lame. It was bizarre. And when you finish bottom of the West... Trolling a team that's got a home playoff game yeah. that's finished the number two seed, that's not... It's not a wise thing. It's no. like you're done your season, just try to build for next year. Don't worry about what's going else is going on. It was quite bizarre, but 
Do, do you see any hope of a shock with Seattle and Dallas? Well, uh, we didn't mention RSL in Portland. I think uh, I'll give my pick there, RSL. I see them going through, and I see Seattle winning, so I see Seattle and RSL. No. And you said you went for Portland. Portland, I think I'm so. going to go with RSL, and I'm going to go with Seattle, and I can, I can see RSL shocking Seattle. I think Seattle's hitting their stride at the right time. Mm. I, I see Seattle beating RSL. I think Morris is their gold. They're not. they I think their good luck charm would be would be Morris because he's he's hitting his stride. He's back from injury from from last year, a tough year for him. And for now, for mis- now, misplaced tackle from Derek Cornelius on Tuesday. Ruiz has been MIA. He's been. I think he's been injured. He's been not yeah. scoring. Lodero's kind of drifted off. Roldan's, you know, but they're they're good built team, and I think it'll depend on how uh, stingy their defense is. The, the last playoff game in the West next weekend is on Sunday. That is the really interesting one because Minnesota are hosting Zlatan and the Galaxy. I mentioned last week that I fancied a shock in this one and I haven't changed my mind. I think Minnesota's going to knock out the Galaxy if you class that as a shock. No, it's I, not. I don't, a, without, think, I don't think any either one of these results would be a shock because it's in Minnesota, remember. Yeah. But I see the Zlatans getting through on this one. Mm. Earlier in the... Uh, I think September was, it was a 0-0 draw between LA and, and Minnesota in Minnesota. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd probably regular season doesn't mean a whole lot, but Zlatan did play in that game, and it was a pretty draw game. So I think it'll be at Minnesota with this one, their young attacking core pulling through. The Most folk, especially from a marketing point of view, is going to want the Galaxy to go through because the winner of this plays LAFC. Minnesota LAFC is another interesting it, it, one. It really I is. could see Minnesota yeah. pulling off the shock there. I just sense LAFC's not going to make the MLS Cup this year. I got LAFC beating the Galaxy if they... Oh, obviously, I picked the Galaxy mm. to get through. So I got LAFC in the final with Seattle. A conference final. Mm. That'd be a good one. I, I, I think it'll be LAFC and um, Seattle. And, oh, no. Can that happen? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's LAFC. Yeah, if it's that, definitely be rooting for LAFC. Jordan Harvey, yeah. Stephen Betashur, all we're old chumps. I got LAFC versus uh, DCU oh, in the really? final. I know. Okay. Well, I picked it DCU. Really. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. DCU. If you missed that, go back to part two. Sounds like definitely. some sort of uh, college. That's SCU from AEW. Yeah, you right? Let's get, let's get yeah, talking let's about some Bring it back some to the real wrestling. world, guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gideon's not a wrestling fan either. <laughs> Just in the bedroom on a Saturday night. <laughs> but that's it for this part of the show. We're going to be back in part four with a look at the big game that's coming up between Canada and the US. Hi, I'm Mark Anthony Kay, and you're listening to the AFTN radio show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. 
Tell us what that good song was, Steve. It was a song called Good Kid by a band named Namu. They are a Canadian band. Namu, Namu. Namu, Namu. So we've talked about the MLS playoffs. They've unfortunately had to wait a couple of weeks because of the international break. Some players are going to relish that rest. Others will just want to get going with it. Some of them are going to be in action, of course, for the big game that's coming up between the, the US and Canada. In Toronto... On Tuesday, the US were in action against Cuba on Friday night. They got one up in Canada in the standings. 7-0 win over Cuba. So they got one extra goal than Canada managed. I've no still, idea. Canada's how... still number one, though, because they got six points. US yes, only has three. Yes, for now. Yes. They have to go and win in Cuba. Yes. But I've no idea how it ended at 7-0 because it was an absolute rout. And I think, it was, was it 6-0 at halftime? It was 4 now like after 13 minutes. Yeah. Well, halftime adjustments, obviously, by the Cuban coach. <laughs> I'm surprised no one defected at halftime, because I believe one of the oh. players defected before the game as yes. well. So it's like they're losing players They just left, need right, to avoid, because every time they come to the Gold Cup, players just... Yeah. Didn't just they defect uh, in Canada too? They defected in Canada. They defected oh. at the Gold Cup. Actually, I don't know if they did defect at the Gold Cup. They did in Canada. They did, one guy did it in this. It's amazing they actually have enough players to, to put out. I mean, you look at that, a 7-0 defeat isn't too bad. The fact that Canada, having these players defect only 1-1-0 in Cuba as well, is testament to, to Cuba. So, hat tip to them. Well, you can't defect once you're in Cuba. Well, no, they were in the Cayman Islands. No, but the they'd, they'd, lost, they'd lost all the guys. So I know, but they played yeah. the Cayman Islands yeah, too. That's I, the other thing. Oh, yeah. But I was more meaning it's like they, oh, yeah. they were just down so many things. Gotcha. But, but this US-Canada game, it feels like a, a quiet build. It's... I'm not sure how many people outside of the hardcore Voyagers and people in the media and just fans of Canadian soccer, I don't know how many people even know that this game is on and how big a game that this is. It's got no play on TV. Um, It is getting some play on the radio. I've heard whenever they have a a football-related guest on, like uh, Christian Jack or whoever on TSN, uh, they've always brought up the Canada-US game, but it's, on TV, nothing. It's zero. Zilch. Well, it's not helped. It's been broadcast on One Soccer, and the rumours this week where they had offered the game, One Soccer, to Sportsnet and TSN, and they turned it down, because you don't know what the One Soccer were looking for in return. And you also have, uh, on it's Tuesday, right? you got yes. Major League Baseball, there might be some hockey, yeah. so they probably didn't have the spots. Because if you offer it last second and there's no availability, they're not going to be able to put it on anywhere. It, it, it's just such a shame that it's not on TV with it being so big. I noticed Friday night's game, US and Cuba, was a free live stream by One Soccer on their One Soccer YouTube channel. Which to me is weird. Why do we put that game? I mean, I, I understand they maybe did it to draw up attention. Uh, but you don't, like, if you're got American fans this, but yeah, in but Canada, you wouldn't. It's a strange business model, though, to pay for the rights and then you're putting it up free on YouTube. Because yeah. once folks start to find games on YouTube, they look for it on YouTube and there's always lots of illegal streamers on YouTube. I watch so many games on YouTube that folk are just broadcasting. I don't know sometimes what one's legal and what one's not. The only thing I could see for that is the American fans in Canada who can't access maybe American television through streaming or what have you. To, well, it might have been to, geo-blocked, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. to have it have it be a draw. But I don't know who would you know not want to watch a U.S.-Canada game. Like To be honest, yeah. it te- for Can- Canadian fans, it's a big test. For U.S., it's to see how their younger, new fresh faces face off against Canada who I guess aren't really you know yeah. they're still kind of going through this 
time where we're not sure where they're going to go in the future. But I think it's I think the one problem with it is not it's not a, a qualifying game. Is that why maybe it doesn't have the draw? But I think it's still a, a big game for Canadian soccer. I think it's a big if game. If marketed for, right, it should be a draw yeah. with what's at stake. And you have to assume the US is going to go to Cuba and, and win in Cuba. So this means Canada has to win one of these games against the US and the best chances at home. And it feels that this is a beatable US squad. Canada's defence, though, on the other hand, feels like it's a bit vulnerable. And if the States have their, their shooting boots on like they did against Cuba, who knows what could happen? Weston McKenney, he got a hat-trick on Friday for the US against Cuba. Fastest ever hat-trick by an American player internationally. Got it in 13 minutes. The third goal had made them go four up. I'll be honest, I don't watch Bundesliga. I haven't watched a lot of US internationals. I'd never heard of this guy. Never I, heard of McKinney? No, I didn't know who he was. Really? Okay. Huh. Is he well known? Uh, he's been, he's kind of like the Tyler Adams of US soccer. He came, went to Schalke and kind of wasn't, hasn't been a, a complete star, but when he's played internationally, he's been really good. Um, he's liked by the US fans that I've seen on Twitter anyways. He's kind of been their midfield guy with um, Roldan and Adams just mentioned so he's kind of been there he's hasn't been he's been kind of the the fill-in for Michael Bradley if you will because Bradley's been out of the picture for a year now so I've heard of him before I I feel bad you haven't because he's a good yeah. player I like watching him play I was just I saw the name I was like who the hell is him I found out that he turned down a homegrown deal with Dallas to move to Europe so I mean that's kind of understandable but he's obviously <laughs> going to head to Toronto in confident mood as the, the US are now, the crowd's not looking great by all accounts. There was the usual East v. West Twitter war, which we've talked about, gets a bit boring. The, the pissing wars are back. And let's be frank, in this case, there is a bit of you that has to say, well, right, first of all, they're looking that they might get 15,000 or just over 15,000 for this game in Toronto. And Dwayne Rollins tweeted out saying, I can't see any other place in Canada getting a bigger crowd than that. And it's like, piss off. We got 17,500 pretty much for French Guiana here at BC Place. Talk about Mexico. Yeah. And this is a massive game. No, see, that's the thing that you, like, nobody in, like, very few people really care in Western Canada about getting in a pissing match. But when you got somebody tweeting out, that yeah, that something that doesn't make sense. Like it's not true. They probably could get a better attendance than fifteen thousand here. Uh, that's that's where the pissing contest it starts. When the why why just because you live in Toronto are you do you have to defend Toronto? Just call it like it is. It's not a very well attended. But game. then other Toronto guys jumped on that, going, "Yeah, we don't need a pissing war." It's like blah blah blah, and it's like you've sold just over fifteen thousand. Tickets for national for team game. One of the biggest qualifying matches in, in years because of what this means long term for the Hex. And if they've only sold 15,000 because they haven't marketed it well and it's been a quiet build, then that's on Canada Soccer and the Toronto media that's backing that Toronto should have these games. So there's two sides of the coin for me. One is I think the US played an Audi field for the game. On, yes. So they have they stay out east is one, is one thing. The other thing yeah. is... The Canada Soccer didn't know the Whitecaps would be crappy this time of year. They didn't have a playoff game. So if they were to hold a BC place, you would wonder how many fans seeking soccer-like activities would want to come out to BC place and check out a game. As mentioned, they did play Mexico. That was a bigger game, bigger stakes. But this is still pretty important. Yeah. Nonetheless, it is U.S. Canada. You'd have so many American fans coming up. I mean, even, from- even if you didn't 
give it to Vancouver. You'd have drawn... I cannot believe you would not have drawn more than 15,000 in Edmonton. Montreal, maybe, because I don't know I, what they're like, but Edmonton definitely. Would, Edmonton, would I think, Winnip- I mean, Winnipeg, they've had women's yeah. games in Winnipeg and they've drawn 20,000. as well, but then that could play in Canada's favour as well. Mm. I think part of it is probably because they thought we can get our strongest squad by being on the East Coast so that all the European-based players will definitely come over. They'd and still want to play an important game, though. That's well, the- you would hope they would, but if we've seen it in the past, yeah, they don't always. True. Or their clubs might put pressure on them and say... Well, it's a long way to go, blah, blah, blah. I, an interesting thing, Outdoor is not going to be part of this, but Michael Bradley is going to be Back. playing in TFC. What kind of reaction is he going to get? Is it going to be quite a welcoming reaction? Is it going to be hostile? I don't think it will be hostile, but it should be hostile. All the American players should get a hostile atmosphere there. And I don't think they will. And... That's not right. That's not that's not the vibe you want to put out for these matches. Well, I think Bradley's the only player on TSC besides Altador that would will be playing because Altador is injured, obviously. Yeah. But I don't see him being cheered as if he scores. I don't think the fans are going to be, be cheered. But I don't think like be, here you want him to be right booed. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it's the Whitecaps. Yeah. And the fans that would come here to the game. But I think it'll be. It won't be. You know. Yay! Michael Bradley scored or boo. I think it'll be even. Keel, which I I don't want to see. I want to see get them get in the heads because yeah. Bradley's been a hot head in the past. So well, yeah, that, you want to wind him up. Him against Scott Arfield in the middle of the park could Ooh. get tasty. Bradley said after the Cuba game, in Toronto the everyday football vibe is still geared around Toronto FC. That's just the reality. So he's not expecting much of a crowd, not much of a, a hostile atmosphere. Um, there's been some Twitter talk about Bradley possibly being a Whitecaps target. I'm pretty sure Glass City just made that up and it folk have just ran with it because I haven't heard that from I don't, well, anywhere else. It could have been, he said an agent came up to him and talked to him or something like that yeah, or mentioned to him. But that the thing is, not go down well. Most yet. likely, if it's an agent, it's it's probably like somebody like Liam Fraser's agent because everybody's touting <laughs> Liam Fraser as being the replacement for Bradley. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. he's a heck of a player. So yeah. I think it's probably Liam Fraser's agent that's contacted. There is, of course, the, the Bradley connection uh, with Mark DeSantis and Andy Rose, but I. Would be, also I, would, I wouldn't want him here. Bradley connection to LAFC. Him, but, like, yeah. I think I'd make more sense oh, for me yeah. for him to go to LAFC. Yeah, I'd Anyways. rather have Mark Anthony Cade and bring him but, but going back to, like, the hate, Samuel Petit was on a midweek conference call. I, I couldn't be on it. Sorry, not Petit. Samuel Piet. Piet. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, was it, <laughs> he's talk a, about he's a small <laughs> man. He said on a midweek conference call <laughs> that the hate that we have towards the Americans is just natural, even if you don't like soccer. And he had a bit of criticism for that with people from America and Canada saying they didn't like the word hate and Canadians don't hate America and all that kind of stuff. We are so nice here. It's like we need more hate in the no, game. No, this is just some people that are just talking about it. There's plenty of people in Canada when it comes to sports hate America. Well, that's good. There's, I'm glad to hear that. If just follow, just look at hockey. And whenever the Americans oh, yeah. play in Canada, it's plenty of hate in the in the stands and everything. How many you've had In the NHL, you've had people booing the American national anthem. Sometimes, yes. like in Montreal and stuff like that. So, no, that's Love just Montreal fans. that's just the people that want to uh, contradict something and just want to be on Twitter. It was, to a, contradict it was a big, like, clickbait kind of headline, though, yeah, of course, because so it's talking about hate. But it's, and it's and like, you look at Canada, they haven't made the cup final since 2000. I'm, not, I'm just saying in the playoffs, yeah. it happens. But you, you need, 
you need to have some animosity to get players riled up. Yeah. And I, I, for me, yeah, I love to see that in a game. What's your predictions for this one? Can Canada pull, pull it off? I'm going to say 2-2 two, two draw. Oh, I'm going with one nothing US. I think Canada's I'm, gonna. I think yeah. Canada's gonna push, push, push. But I'm gonna go with two one to to the US. I just think we're gonna fall short, and then the hex qualification then gets a hell of a lot more interesting. We then need to get some high profile friendlies next year. I don't think maybe they'll be here. Yeah, I don't think this game will be entertaining as it will be in the states, barring yeah. barring the the outcome of the game. I think the game in the states will be a little more because Canada will be. Um, away they'll be in tough and I think they're playing Orlando too which is yeah. an interesting place I'd to play part of me toyed with going to that because I'd like to see the stadium oh for the second leg yeah it's a couple yeah. of you know why it's in birthday. Orlando because they've got to go away to Cuba and they want to be as close well it's uh, going to be the Cayman Islands so the game is going to be in <laughs> but they they want to be as close to there so they're smart that they put it in Orlando yeah. next to the thing oh that's sensible just wrap this section up with some quick Canadian club news we got a precursor to the CPL championship game that Midweek, yeah. Cavalry saw off Forge on Wednesday 2-1, thanks to Dominique Malonga double. Forge were then trounced 4-0 by York 9 yesterday, which really? was, yeah. Oof. That was, they York were, 9 has not been very good this no, year. No, they looked awful. I don't know if it's just uh, this long season. It's the tiredness travel. Is, yeah. They played in Calgary on Wednesday and, then and had to go East to... Coast on Saturday. Like it's they've had to do that so many times. I know it's they've one game left. Cavalry's got two. Cavalry are one point ahead now in the fall standings. Not that it matters tons now, but but you still want to have that. Yeah, Tommy Fielden wants to treble. He's made that clear. Yeah, and he's he said to me about it before. He did an official chat about it. So he wants that to win the spring, the fall, and the overall championship. It's looking good for them now. I mean, but the snow, the the snow. Impacted the game on Wednesday, they got it on, but the crowd was absolutely terrible. And the worst thing that they need in a championship game is if it's snowy and folk just, they might have a ticket, but they might not turn up for it because that's just not going to be a good look. And then a little bit closer uh, to home, Pacific FC, you got Marcel De Jong making his debut late in the season, which is very good for him. I'm chatting with him on Friday and heading over to the island for their finale. If you haven't been over to Pacific Game, do so. Try and get over. One game left to see. It's against Valor FC. You can go see Marco Bustos as well. Go and cheer the guys on. The ferry should be a bit quieter next weekend. We we really recommend. And it. even if you went to a game before the renovations, you want to go now because it's it's oh, it spectacular. Looks fantastic by the pictures, anyways. I want to go. To but that that's it for this part. One more part to go. Join us for that after this. Hi, I'm Marcel De Jong, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Tiger style. Tiger style. Yeah. Wu Tang Clan ain't Welcome back to the final part of tonight's Thanksgiving special, the AFT and Soccer Show. 
on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Steve, clearly in a wonderful rap mood, we had Old Dirty Bastard the other week, mm-hmm. Wu-Tang Clan tonight. Well, the Wu-Tang's giving. What song was that? That was Wu-Tang Clan Ain't Nothing to F With. I'm not sure if we're using the explicit thing this no, week, so I'm not sure. This week, so we'll, we'll stick with it. Yeah. I uh, mean, obviously, I was, we did the name generators. Yeah, I, I just did Michael Bradley, because mm-hmm. we were talking about him last time. His uh, Wu-Tang name would be Lazy Assed Pupil. Oh, yeah. what's John Herdman? Oh, John Herdman. Is he with an H or? Yes. John Herdman would be, what the hell is that? Sh- sh- shuriken question mark swammy. Wow. That, that is I'm a very original that, name. I'm, yeah. yeah. I, I was wondering what that thing is. Well, swammy being the head coach, of course, yeah. that's actually, wow, this is a pretty spot on shuriken. name generator. Shuriken. Does I'm just going to go Aggressive gum bastards. chewing in there? Aggressive gum chewing. Might be. Maybe. Yeah, he does that a lot. He's a masticator. <laughs> Final part of tonight's show. And it's my favourite part of the show to kick things off. It's wavelength time. And I've gone back to 1995. Now, this is a a song that some people might know because it was used in a Coca-Cola advert during the Euro 96 ads campaign. I don't know, though, how much it's known over here. It's by a band from Harlow in Essex called Collapsed Lung. And this is... Eat my goal.
collapsed lung there. Eat My Goal from their 1995 album Jackpot Goalie. It's a, a song, especially the initial riff, that if you watch any broadcasts of especially English Premier League or any of the Sky Sports shows and stuff like that, they use that song a lot. But I thought it's Thanksgiving, folk do a lot of eating. Let's go with Eat My Goal, so I saved it for that. Let's hope you don't eat enough, though, to end up with a collapsed lung. But now, it's time for BC's Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news, stories, reviews, everything you could want. Make it part of your daily routine, morning, noon and night. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your eyes on the site this week, Steve? Uh, a few stories here. Uh, first of all, it took 40 years, but Barcelona has decided to make a decision on some medals they gave out um, back in the 70s. By a vote of 671 to 2, members of Barcelona <laughs> decided to revoke the medals of General Franco, dictator of Spain, who ruled for, until 1975 after gaining control during the Spanish Civil War. Josef Maria Bartomo. Uh, Barca's president said measure was better late than never. He went on to say this is a tribute to our parents and grandparents who suffered in the dictatorship. <laughs> it's probably more than that if it was 1975. Yeah, well, I think it was the, in the 30s that uh, yeah, the Frank Spanish was Civil a, War. Was, was yeah, Frank yeah. I remember uh, George Orwell, uh, the writer of 1984, actually fought in the Spanish Civil War. Oh. Yeah. Um, next story, FIFA Diploma. Uh, the FIFA diploma in the football is ready to go. The 24 people have been selected from 149 applicants to take the new program. Cur- curriculum includes insights into football governance, regulations, player transfer, commercial aspects, and more. Uh, program caters for the increasing need to understand the changes to the regulations and legal decisions in football and how they affect the national associations, leagues, clubs, and player unions. I personally think it's just FIFA trying to get more lawyers on their side. Yes. Definitely. They've needed a lot over the years, for sure. It'd be an interesting course, I have to say. But, if yeah, I guess they're only teaching one class per year or yeah. something like that. What so. if they're going to put, like, the curriculum up that you can you can view it? Because I'd, I'd be interested to read it. Oh, I bet you Infantino so came... So you think they're going to be transparent? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Infantino came around and picked the 24 bald people. Oh, probably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> FIFA has, but has decided... Uh, to follow the governances and fine Hong Kong soccer body for the China anthem protest, fifteen thousand Swiss francs uh, towards that uh, the association for the fans disrespecting the Chinese national anthem before the World Cup qualifying game last month against Iran, as they booed and turned their backs during the playing of the anthem. I'm and sure obviously, there's no pressure put on FIFA. At but all. Uh, but the thing is, for me, is like they booed their own own national anthem. So how who are they disrespecting? I don't understand why they would get fined for that. Well, the interesting thing is, whenever Scotland's played England, we boo the hell out of the English national anthem, which is "God Save the Queen." We've Do, never been fined for it. Yeah, I think this but that's because it happens. I'm sure every. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you look there a lot of the Eastern European countries when it's like been Bosnia. Croatia, Serbia playing each other. Yeah, there's been lots of booing at the anthems and other stuff, and they don't get fined either. Yeah. So the fact that it's China and all of a sudden it's a fine. Uh, this is this has there. this thinks of the NBA or something like that. Oh, or yeah, like, what's going you, on there? Yeah, just now. yeah, it's crazy. Like, and there's a you think MLS is bad. Okay, that's dealt with now. Oh, here comes the NBA. <laughs> and then yeah. esports it, it affected esports because oh, one it? one of the winners said a free Hong Kong or something like that, and he got suspended and. 
uh, for a year or something from playing oh. their Blizzard or something because they're owned like apparently majority owned by Chinese uh, company. Well, if we're talking about disrespecting Anthem, we've got to talk about the Timbers scarf, whatever that is during the yeah, National Anthem. Yeah, I know. Uh, some folk don't they mind it. They say it's a it's, tribute, isn't it? Some folk like it. Some folk don't mind it. Some folk they are say quite like, offended I can't remember by it. it. Yeah. Continue. Uh, if more you did that during the American one, like if we'd started oh. doing that before they did it, yeah. they'd be like, that's disrespectful. Uh, more news uh, around FIFA. They have, uh, I guess, assisted uh, Iranian women f- uh, to get them into the stadium for the first time in decades. Yes. I think the match actually happened today. I didn't see what the result was. But 3,500 women attended the World Cup qualifier against Cambodia, but were segregated from men, and they were kind of watched over by like 150 female police yes. officers during the thing because they just can't handle the men in their half-naked men running around in the field. I mean, it was great to let them in. You saw the videos that you saw. You saw what it meant to the women. And I, I've talked about this film before in the show. It's a, a film from 2006. It's an Iranian film. It's called Offside. Um, it's about a couple of girls who sneak in yeah. to watch a World Cup qualifying match, but they're forbidden by law to do it. It's absolutely fantastic film. Really recommend it. Well, there I've was that one, one girl that it. actually got caught... Uh, I can't remember what month it was. She was caught because she dressed up as a boy, mm, and then yes, she was yeah. going to go to jail. And she actually, I think the term is self immolated or yeah. something. It's basically, set herself to, on fire know, and horrible. died of the. Uh, and just so, um, so unfortunate there. But at least it's, it's kind of led to something more. Yeah, and it's it was well talked about on Twitter. A lot of MLS players getting chiming in and not chiming in. But it's whether it lasts. Posting. So that's yeah. the thing, and it's not just a token because, gesture. Just because they allowed it to happen, but then the the before i think it was in november of last year um and then the uh whoever the district attorney or whoever had lawyer a prosecutor in iran uh claimed that it was against the rules and it's not going to happen again right away after it happened so we'll see what happens tomorrow when it happens a couple players that are leaving the cpl actually a little early we talked about marcel de Jong finally making his debut they won't be in uh victoria to play pacific fc valor players Ooh. dylan sacramento and caleb ferguson were granted permission to pursue opportunities in New Zealand, uh, but they are expected to return next season. So they kind of given an early release in order for them to sign on with. I didn't that. know they were able to come back. Actually. I don't. I, I've never. I didn't see that. Bizarre. I missed that part of the story. That huh. no, it said it in the uh, Winnipeg Free Press article oh. that it said they were expected to come because I think one of them for sure has a multi-year contract. Callum Ferguson's an interesting one because he was, he was the guy that came from Hibernian, or was it? He was at Hearts. Ross County for a while. Ross he County. was at Inverness Cali Thistle as well. When he was with Inverness Cali Thistle, his friends played an April Fool's prank on him and put all these stories out linking him with the White Caps. And then uh, folk here picked yep, it up and yep. stuff. Sacramento's yeah, a good one too. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's two, been two of the best players in yeah. a season of struggle for Valor. So it should be a guaranteed win for Pacific. Yes. Um, More reason to go along. Oh, well, we talked about this team missing the playoffs, Chicago, but they are won't be missing it in their a stadium they played in this year because they'll be moving to Soldier Field inside Chicago City downtown limits. Um, They're looking to revitalize their fan interest. They've been playing 14 years at Bridgeport Stadium. They, but before that, they had played in Soldier uh, 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 Soldier Field from 98 to 01 and then 03 to 2006 before they moved to Bridgeport. Um, they're hoping to improve... Their MLS, I didn't realize that they were the lowest of all MLS, low attendance of 12,324 oh, for last year. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, that's bad. You see some worse crowds than that, and you wonder 
how that is the lowest because well, Dallas do yeah, horrible. It, it begs the question though: if you have a guy like Schweinsteiger on the pitch, yeah, how do you have such a low attendance? Yeah. yeah, it's because of where Bridgeport is. It's, it's just difficult. It's to difficult get to get out there. But what is going to happen in the stadium? To have that I, said, I, I don't know. I mean, moving to Soldier Field makes sense. It could help them win the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously what everyone's looking for out there in Chicago. Well, one player who won't be helping him win the World Cup and won't be playing in Soldier yeah. Field is Bastian Schweinsteiger. He has announced his retirement from the football. At the age of uh, 35, uh, he's retiring um, after getting 500 appearances in eight Bundesliga titles, Champions League in with Bayern in 2013, and also 121 caps with Germany and uh, World Cup in 2014. He he was maybe that's why he's acting to show up today. He was oh, upset about that. Could be. He was charming last year. Yeah, when, when he was here, like, yeah. when I spoke to him, he's. I think he's the only player mid scrum that stopped and said, "Where are you from?" Yeah, and he wanted to know where I was from and asked me questions. Interesting. I was like, wow. Yeah, I don't know if a player would ever do that, but good, was, good on him. Uh, he was so nice. He took time to answer the questions, and he was a he was one of those big name players that's come to the league and got it. He understands yeah. what he needs to do. Ibrahimovic is the same. Rooney's the same. As much as I don't like Rooney, yeah. Rooney's did, a did guy. Did he have a handler? Schweinsteiger? No, no, he didn't really? have any handler, no. Huh. Okay. Schweinsteiger, also known as Drunken Demon. That's oh. his Wu-Tang name. Oh, um, that's, a, that's a good name. So, uh, now, if Schweinsteiger wants to kind of figure out what he wants to do in his next uh, oh, venture, um, he could follow oh, yes. up what uh, Chelsea legend Peter Czech has done, and he suited up as, an, as Zach would say, ice hockey goalkeeper. Uh, for Guilford Phoenix, he started. It's a reserve side for their national yep. team. Guilford, the Guilford in Surrey. Yeah. Which, when this story broke, I wonder how many folk read it on Twitter and thought, "Oh Big my signing. God, he's coming to BC." <laughs> so yeah, he started for them for the reserve side actually for the Guilford Flames, who are the main team. Um, he's actually stopped a penalty because they went to shootout. I saw that today on Twitter. Yeah, he stopped a penalty and they actually won the game, so he led them to victory. Well, I don't. I tried to titles. see how many saves he made during the regular game uh, play, but there was no stats on that. Okay, two things. One, I wonder if he actually won a title with Guilford because he's tr- struggled to do th- so in the Premier League. Mm. Two, <laughs> the jerseys. I don't know if you saw them, Steve. They look like a cross between Vegas, yeah, and Calgary. And Calgary. Yeah. Oh. It was weird. I never looked at the jersey. I saw the save and didn't really pay attention to it. He'd be also known as Zexy. Oh, I like that. That is a great signing for them. I mean, to get some bums in the seats to watch your your team, that's a good signing. I think he has some ownership too in the team or something like that because he is, he was, from a young age, he was a hockey fan. Like, like to go from the Prem to freaking ice goalie in the next. It's a reserve team for a British league. No, 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 but I'm just saying it's it's, it's cool. He played as a young kid. He played as a young kid too. And um, uh, I think his his favorite player, obviously, is Dominic Kashuk. That's who he patterned his game after, so. I, I can't believe you've done the week's headlines and you did not talk about Wagatha Christie. It didn't seem that I wasn't. I I didn't like. It. I, I I it was fine, but it wasn't that big of an issue for me. You can mention it if you want to. Because it was actually actually Colin you know what? Rooney thing was fantastic. Actually, I don't even recall it being in BC. So maybe I missed it oh, or maybe, something. It maybe maybe I put it in there. I just thought that was fantastic. It's what, how she lured Vardy into that if it is indeed what But Vardy happens. said that she's just the number of people have her, her like her Instagram yeah, and that everything old like that. excuse. No, but she the, played it. Oh, I'm pregnant. I can't But is she like a former model? Pregnant. Yeah. So Colleen? No, no, the oh, Vardy's wife. wife. Oh, yeah. So I'm if if so, like those people they rarely ever run their own social well, media. Oh yeah, I mean most 
professional footballers have folk that run it. There's folk at the Whitecaps players now and in the past that's had folk run their, their social media accounts for them. Some of the accounts Freddie Montero's been making about all the graphics have been very impressed by. I don't know if that's him tweeting them out, but... That is it for tonight's episode. Hope you've all had a wonderful, long Thanksgiving weekend. We're going to be back next week at 9pm as well. So until then, just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me at WhitecapsBeat on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm at underscore Gideon Hill. You can find Zachary Adam Meisenheimer on Twitter at Zachary AM. Probably, I don't know, where else you can find him. He'll have his turkey based on his hand. Well, he's, he'll be ready to go. He's moving as the Curva Collective, isn't he? Or a movement. Uh, oh, yeah, his uh, movement uh, is yeah. Curva Collective. And they're moving. It depends how much turkey he's had. He might not have much movement for a couple of days. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada, on Instagram at AFT in Soccer, and on YouTube at AFT in Canada. Give us a follow on there. Check out our YouTube channel at some point during the week as well. I have a fun mascot video to upload. Oh, and they'll just hear Gideon losing no, it in the background no, from the UBC. Don't tell me you're going to post that, Mike. Yeah, oh, it's going no, up on YouTube. Please don't. don't Never go. seen a mascot in his world of his own as Thunder the UBC mascot was for Saturday's game. It's at AEFTN if you're just kidding. It's <laughs> AFTN. Yeah, go check it out. It's a pretty funny video. We'll be back next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and on the off-season. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.